0: Hey there, Soup Survivors. Welcome to Bubbling Up, an adult conversation on the wide world of television. I'm just your hunter with a heart, Joe Soria, along with the cool comic collected Steve Hermosi. If you had something like that, that was very alliterative, we give you like, you know, the mother's milk. I don't I don't know how to do it. You know, a Silky Steve Smootherstein or something like that. That'd be better. Silky Steve, you like that? Yeah, let going to be th- <laughs> right, we'll, we'll see We'll save that for later, Silky Steve. On uh, today's breakdown will be, we decided to prioritize you, the fans, and give you exactly what you wanted as fast as we could. Our thoughts and opinions on The Boys Season 3, what everyone's talking about. Even if Thor is out, I think more people care about The Boys. A lot of people are seeing Thor, but it doesn't seem they're a fan of it. So we've discussed it in passing, The Boys in general, mm-hmm. but I don't think we talked about anything uh, specific or even any specific Garth Ennis, if I'm mistaken. I feel like we've talked about inspiration of Garth Ennis, right?
1: Yeah, I don't think we've done any of his works quite yet, so this is not the comic, but it is based on his uh, his comic, so.
0: He was ahead of the game for this type of stuff that people like now, I feel like this, it's also like peak Tarantino era, ultra-violence, mm. mixed with snarky, mixed with everyone's cool, but also murdery, but also a freak, you know, a little bit of everything, so yeah. we'll get into that. All right. So we're in the middle of summer. It's a little after July 4th weekend. Steve-O has had his vacation. I am about to go on mine. Any, how's the summer going, Steve-O? Any updates worthy of, of note or everything's okay?
1: Summer's going great. Had a good vacation after a, a short bout with, well, a just as long as it normally takes, I guess, bout with COVID. And uh, I finally got it. But yeah, I got a somewhat shortened, but still good vacation in. The rest of the summer, I've just been playing Elden Ring, to be honest. A lot of Elden Ring
0: we were going to do a stack episode and steve says i've been playing video games i said well you know we can talk about video games i am not the outside of a round of mario kart i've played a video game in uh, q2 or q3 as we'd go in the business world so (laughs) (laughs) that's the one thing that probably gets short shrift in my world i think i took more two more games out of the library this week and did not put them into the ps4 so (laughs) it's kind of the the last time i turned on the ps4 I, i really am a wasteful person i do have too many although a couple of uh Couple of pans in the fire, as I always do, but that's not them. So we're done with personal chatter, and let's do a little preview in our background into our interests in the boys. Had you read the comics before the show? Have you your thoughts on season one? Any, anything you want to talk about about the boys leading up to this season, Steve-O, The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, I. So I was reading the comics. I think I caught up to them at some point when I was reading them while they were ongoing, and I liked them. There's this like super British vibe that you get in like a lot of these, you know. It started, I think, with Alan Moore and then Grant Morrison, Warren Ellis, and Ennis is like one of the one of these guys that does the same thing like fairly well. But it's like this darker underbelly of like what superheroes means and and all this stuff. And that book really encompassed a lot of that. And it was like, and I and I was like a twenty something, a younger twenty something guy, and I was like, uh ah, super this extra violence and like sex and all this stuff is cool. So yeah, I had I had read most of the series. I don't know if I ever finished it. I want to say I did, but I don't remember finishing this the comic series. But I read most of it at least. And then I heard this was coming out, and I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Season one and season two, I enjoyed them, but I wasn't like like amazed by them or thrilled by them. Like I, I feel like a lot of people were were much more into them than I was, and I think a lot of that was just down to like. I read the book, so I knew kind of what was going to happen. I had read a bunch of stories like this in comics before. I just kind of felt like I knew where they were going with it. So it was, it was good. It was well done, but it wasn't like blowing my mind. And then we'll talk about season three when it comes up. But I think I like season three a little bit better than season one and two.
0: Yeah, I have still never read. Uh, I did take out the omnibus. I think it's on Amazon uh, or on Comixology. You can take the whole omnibus if I'm not mistaken. So I did take it out, but I decided instead of reading it, I'd finish the show. Not that I, I think that they're going direct from the text on everything. I don't know. Maybe you can give some information. I, if all this is in the text, that's a very good text. But I feel like it's probably, you know, the characters are there and variants.
1: But I don't know. Uh, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. They do change quite a bit, but a lot of it is there. Like, if I recall correctly, Herogasm in the books is like, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the show, but like in the books, it's like, a currently ongoing yearly event. It's, like, almost like the Olympics, like, the stories you hear about the Olympics where, like, all the athletes are just, like... <laughs> I think that's kind of loosely what it was based on in the books. So it's, like, a, a yearly event that's, like, only for superheroes, right? Like, the main populace doesn't really know about it from what I can remember. And, like, but It's not the purge? Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Butcher catches the wind of it, and he's like, oh, we gotta go screw this up, or whatever, whatever. You know, like, the characters are pretty true to themselves. Actually... It's funny that Huey's father is played by Simon Pegg in the show. The reason that they got Simon Pegg to do that is because Huey was, in the comics, was literally based off and drawn like directly off of Simon Pegg. If you look at the books, it's like it is Simon Pegg, like on the page as Huey. So I thought that was a really nice, like little Easter egg in the, you know, when they did that in the first season and kept it going. But yeah, like there, there's a lot to. To be said, both like similarities and there are quite a lot of differences as well. I think the comics are probably even more violent and grosser as comics tend to be, I think, in a lot of things. But they do go... That seems almost impossible. That Uh, seems (laughs) almost
0: impossible. All right. I will have to wait until I read it. So I guess on the comic side, you know, we've talked about Ennis in passing about Preacher. I've read some of his stuff with Punisher. You know, I like some of his vibe, but I've never read The Boys on this show. I'm just surprised that this, I guess I'm not surprised, but that this is the breakthrough show for Amazon out of all shows that, you know, they've tried so many things and that this version of the superhero is what broke through. But it also makes sense. You know, there's no huge megastars here, right? There's no main attraction. I mean, Carl Urban was in Judge Dredd and no one seemed to care. But now this seems to be like perfect collection. I think it had that. Excellent, you know, immediate hook and that violence that people were looking for. I think the production is good. I mean, we'll talk about the quality overall, but I think it was that quality that probably brought it in and the ability to like semi not giving a fuck feeling that the show kind of exhibited from moment one that you don't see on the other side of superheroes, even when you get the brutality or some kind of other R rated superhero stuff, which is limited now or maybe like a DC, you know not really R rated, like semi R rated. This is a hard Deadpool. R. I don't even you yeah. know Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool. But that's like Deadpool. real jokey. Yeah. Wolverine or whatever with like the the Logan stuff. Logan, yeah. yeah. Or Logan, yeah. So that, that's true. That would probably be the closest. But those are supposed to be real stories. I don't know. This is definitely has that vibe of slight hyper realism. I don't know if it's hyper real. It's just that they're superheroes and it's treating them as if they, you know, fully exist but that they're humans at the same time. So yeah, I mean it's An interesting concept. I feel like since this book and ever like this is a common refrain, we've talked about you have powers in your background, but we've talked about dealing with superheroes in the modern world and their bad sides and Invincible came out, obviously, and that's, you know, another version of this type of style of story that's not all superheroes are good and dealing with the wreckage. Did we even read a comic where oh, I was reading She-Hulk, where she's the lawyer for superheroes when they do bad things, right? And she has to, like, defend them, or we're fixing what superheroes have wrought. So it is isn't a modern thought process to say, like, let's deal with the fallout of superheroes, and that not all of them are actually heroes. They're supers, but they're not necessarily heroes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a long history of that in comics, just to go into, like, some of that. You know, obviously you have Watchmen in the 80s. There's a book in the 90s called, like, Rising Stars, That was like a similar thing where they just created a bunch of new superheroes who were kind of had to live in the real world and like dealing with a bunch of things that were normal people problems and things like that. And then you had like I said, like I feel like all these British authors like had to do their own take on the like the corruption that comes from being superpowered or or whatever. So there's a lot of that. There's like a whole history of that. And and like you said, you know, you got powers by Bendis was a good one in that same vein. There's this, like, whole lineage of that leading up to the boys. And, and even after, what's
0: in, like, stuff like Invincible, as you said. I think it's in the X-Men world, too. I guess it's more they call them mutants, but it's basically like, you know, the like they're afraid of them. They're not, like, the mutants are not heroes, right? They're superpowered, but they're not heroes. And then they become, like, targeted or whatever. That's even a little more extreme and more of, like, a divide or, a let's say, a race, a race. I guess a race uh, analogous to racism or to some kind of, you know segmentation.
1: The stuff like the boys, Watchmen, all that stuff is more satirical whereas like X-Men is like yeah. being more genuine about like trying to tell a superhero story or or whatever, you know, like in the same vein as like X-Men, there was stuff like uh, Dark Knight, you know, that Frank Miller was doing in the 80s as well. Less satirical, but still like had that moral that he was pushing or whatever. But anyway, we're all off topic here.
0: <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that's the to- off topic is the topic, but that makes sense. You are right that these in the boys, every character is that satirical. I think in X Men, you just have Wolverine basically, and mm. everyone else. It's like pretty dead serious outside of Deadpool when he comes around some point. So I don't know if I even said anything, but I think season one and season two, I was interested. I think the reason I ended up watching the show was Carl Urban and Anthony Starr. I was a huge Banshee fan. I love Banshee. I really liked the Dread. I like Carl Urban. I had never really seen him in anything. I was in love with i know that he's been in a lot of stuff but it never clicked but uh, you know i saw the beard i saw the hair i saw the the style i saw the vibe and i was like i'm sure that this is the anti-hero type stuff that i will like and that maybe it'll be over the top and i'll flick through some of the superhero garbage but they have so many by this point this season three we're going to talk about it but you know usually I have an a plot a b plot a c plot i would guess there's a z plot by this point <laughs> it seems there is that, a lot- you know And that's why these episodes are long and they're an hour each. They're a real hour, but they're chock full. And they're probably pretty well dedicated to all of them. And we haven't even mentioned Homelander out of all this, but I think we've got a lot to do. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back to uh, start digging into season three of The Boys. All right, and we're back. We're going to talk to the boys, like we said. Usually we do a credits rundown here, but I think like a lot of, a lot of these are written by different people. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of different directors. There's a lot of different types of directors, it seems. Not a much repetition. I know the creator is Eric Kripke as the actual ex- creator of the series. So give him his, his credit. And then I think we're just going to kind of start running down. We'll go, I mean, we can do initial impressions first, and then we'll probably try to do kind of the cast in its cast order and discuss the characters in that way a little bit and see how it goes that way. I think that's probably a good venue versus trying to describe all the things that happened this season. Besides that, they seem to move slowly in the show, but also burn through things fast. So it's like they burn through certain characters fast, and certain things seem to take forever. But that's... You know, that's TV, but I'm also thinking, well, this is eight episodes, not 10, not 13, even though it's heavy in its own way. So let's start with like the early season impressions that you got, Steve, and your first thoughts. Let's not like go right to the finale and and, ending or whatever, where everyone lands, but more where we start the story and and what you thought of of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that right off the bat, there was something like a little bit different about this season than the previous two. I liked it a bit more. It was like more open about what the show was like it wasn't not that it ever sugarcoated anything but like it wasn't kind of like trying to be clever about it it was like here's what the show is like here we are and like you get early on hints of the arc that homelander's going through which is like brutal and kind of hard to watch (laughs) him turn into or not even turn into but like become more of this like just absolute piece of shit you get a lot of like these threads that you're going to pull throughout the season, like start off pretty early. I do think that, you know, the early portion is about these people
0: being kind of clamped down a little bit, right? It's like homeowners frustrated, Starlight's being clamped down. And then I maybe I did put a little season summary here that probably leads into it. So maybe I should, if you want to read it, that'll probably lead into where we started, because I think that's the important part to remember that there's like that kind of disappears by the second half, but it starts where like Butcher is basically handcuffed and Huey's like, kind of his handler and everything else. So why don't you yeah. uh, run that one in?
1: Uh, yeah, let me, let me read this. So the, It's been a year of calm. Homelander subdued, Butcher works for the government, supervised by Huey of all people. But both men itch to turn this peace and quiet into blood and bone. So when the boys learn of a mysterious anti-soup weapon, it sends them crashing into the seven, starting a war and chasing the legend of the first superhero, Soldier Boy. So yeah, I think Butcher and Homelander are really the big two, right, in the in the beginning of this season, and, you know, throughout the, the driving force. But you see both of them super frustrated by their place where they are, despite the fact that, like, everything is calmer and probably better for everybody else in the entire world. <laughs> the two of them cannot help themselves but to, like, be frustrated by the fact that they can't use their full allotment of... of Power or just murder superheroes as the cases in Butcher's case that he wants to do. It's a lot of that. Like you can see both of them kind of, you can see the bad things brewing right from the beginning. And I, I like that when they kind of like jumped right in with the here's what happens when powerful people are put in a cage or whatever, you know, like they just kind of lash out and hurt a lot of people. And you feel that, you feel that happening right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, no, I think, and I think you got it right. I think there's, the whole point of this show is the the surface versus beneath, you know, the underbelly. I think we also have that, I want to say that first episode is also that the Ant-Man in the butt sex scene stuff and, you know, whatever it is, and then he mistakenly sneezes and you have all this underbelly type feeling thing where, he, you know, indulgence, where it's like the... Summer of Independence, like this 1969 where everything's like a little break. There isn't any like major villains. The world isn't going to shit, but like we're waiting for it. And then it's kind of this whole series about these superheroes that seemingly are supposed to be saved. All they're doing is making movies, making press tours. They're never saving anybody. Every time you see them saving somebody, they're fucking it up or there's a video of them doing something terrible. So this calm is just them not killing the people they are supposed to be protecting that believe in them. So I think a lot of the show is really about that. Our heroes are the things we believe in aren't necessarily what they appear. That's what Butcher kind of hangs on to all the time and what is really his motivation and the boy, you know, quote, the boy's motivation. But that there's these tensions brewing up from the calm. It's a trope of later television when you really want to get this stuff going, is you kind of have to break up the group to then get them back together, right? So MM's like in retirement and Frenchie's there, but he's more focused on what do they call her? The, you know,
1: Kimiko, is her name. In the comics, she was called the woman. And then, They're the female or the female. Yes. And and then uh, people were like, that's kind of fucked up. So they kind of changed it up in the show. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay, so so Kimiko. Yes. So they have their thing going on. Everyone's kind of satisfied. Huey is, you know, working and and wearing suits and working underneath. We didn't say spoiler filled on top, but this is a full season breakdown and, (laughs) uh, you know, reaction. So if you haven't watched The Boys season three, you know, we're not going to rake through everything, but we're not going to hold anything back here either. But yeah, that... I think that everyone is separated, disbanded. Butcher is bothered. Um, Ryan, you know, is away and he's been hidden. So everyone's kind of, the chess pieces have been spread all over the place that they're going to have to come back together, at least some of them to, you know, save the day. But how, what driving force is going to get there? If Homelander is not doing it, it's going to have to be something else. But for Butcher, eventually it becomes, always oh, killing, killing Homelander, which, you know, it's your protagonist's job. He usually trying to kill someone. They kill some, you know, it's a revenge a revenge protagonist, but that is perfectly fits into what this show. So, um, yeah, that'd be my initial reactions. I just liked how they did it. You knew they were going to get back together, but they did give them all their space to be humans. You got Huey and Starlight's relationship. You've got more. Well, Leave this into the plots and the characters. Same thing. But I listed out here just off the top of my head the number of subplots that are going on between one or two people, and I'm sure there's even more, even this early and throughout the season. So we've got Frenchie and Kimiko. We've got the Temp-V in general, but Butcher and the Temp-V, Soldier Boy Revenge Tour, which we haven't talked about Soldier Boy yet, except for you saying it, Huey and Starlight's relationship, the A-Train thing, which we haven't mentioned, but we'll, you know, I'm sure we will mention, but it also, it's like, how many of these threads can you focus on? They do try to give everything a little bit, uh, you know, a good amount of time. Then you have Homelander and Vought and Edgar and Victoria Newman, the Congress woman slash his daughter and then we have the deep angle and him trying to get back into the seven and his i think it's his wife i I, that one that whole relationship was always very strange with maybe the wasn't she part of the cult or the christianity sect that got him like back into it last season i'll save some of my feelings on the deep as being out of all of them he may be the most deprived if nothing else and the one with like the least seemingly soul but Number one, you know, outside of we have our main plot of like you know the two protagonists and antagonists. But any of these, which one of these subplots would you say is your your favorite one? The one that you got enough of, or maybe even wish there was more of. Versus, and maybe the opposite side, what was the weakest or one you kind of wish it was either you know given a little bit more or something else worthy for the actual story and for the character.
1: The Homelander takeover was like the the storyline that I love to hate. He's just like a perfectly infuriating. Trumpian he's, monster. He's the, he's the Heel in every
0: in every wrestling match. He's the perfect heel all the time. As yeah. I always say, but yeah,
1: exactly. It, it was like very, very clearly like a, a rip on Trump, right? Like and that type of like running a company or a, or a government. If you if you look at it that way, well, it's tied I, in with the Nazis too, with the Stormfront from last season and the and yeah.
0: the rollover there. The early season, he actually is. Still dealing with the repercussions, but also still supposedly in a relationship or with her after she's been basically, you know, destroyed.
1: Right. Until she commits suicide and like that whole thing is crazy. Like I think that they dealt with all that stuff really well in a way that made me super infuriated and angry. So that was well done. The temp V I thought was interesting because of how he mentioned like Butcher's temp V, right? Or like Butcher's thing. But I think really the more important Aspect of that was him getting Huey into it, and then that affecting Huey and Starlight's relationship. Right, and the amazing thing is how many like important, like prescient subjects they talk about. It's like, all right, now we're going to talk about addiction. Now we're going to talk about like how it destroys relationships and everything. And now we're going to talk about the deep and like the indoctrination of the cults and and all that stuff. And A-Train and his trying to get woke and not really like making it. <laughs> seeing his brother, you know, get severely injured by this like scumbag who's basically a stand-in for i guess like racist cops and shit blue hawk is that what it was or blue blue, blue hawk. like they really really threw a bunch of stuff out there this year And i think for the most part they hit i'm trying to think of one that like really didn't i guess the the staniger and victoria newman thing like they needed to do more with it to make it really stand out because that was one mm-hmm. of the really and I guess, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, doesn't really yeah. matter all that much. And I think that was supposed to be I kind st- of like a big reveal that they were connected in that way. And I was like, okay, okay. good. Well,
0: it seems the reveal's always that, like, uh, you know, it's your father or that's someone's daughter or whatever, like, and that will lead me to, I think the first six episodes of Soldier Boy stuff is honestly pretty weak and is, is the fact of, like, trying to stuff even more, like, classic racism and the ability. I think it's, Interesting. But that another team and like another revenge tour, everyone's revenge. So you do your revenge and then we'll do my revenge and then we'll all get revenge on the revenge. It seemed a little bit much and giving him that the pure like Captain America look and the shield and everything. And then he's like the Captain America scumbag. It's a guy easy for everyone to hate. I liked it, but I also thought it was kind of very... For the amount of effort put into it, the first few episodes, it really was weak. And then I think it did pay off by the end, is what yeah. I would say. And that actor, out of all the people that has a, a heavy part here, I just wasn't as... I wish it was someone... Uh, maybe it was more recognizable, someone that was better at it. There was just something that didn't click with him being
1: like Wolverine, but a dick. That dude's uh, Jensen Ackles is what he was from Supernatural. I think. Yeah, I don't know. And like... That's what it said. You know, that was a friggin' huge show for a lot of people. I never watched it, but I know that a lot of people I know watched that show and and it was on for like 15 seasons or something. So... so, Right. Well, everything on the CW is or W whatever it's called these days. But I will say that I thought he did a good job of being a like disaffected douchebag and coming from a CW show or whatever it is, I feel like he was Really flexing the like cursing and uh, just being able to go full on asshole in this in this show. You did a good okay. job, especially like towards the end.
0: Yeah, no, I think at the end it, it, it actually evolved where he had to connect. Once he had to be connected with Homelander, mm-hmm. I didn't build up him and the Butcher stuff and the Huey stuff. It played for a little bit of humor, but otherwise, it was just kind of three people stuck together that wasn't that interesting, but had to get to its final point and destination to have a big bad for everyone to focus their energies on and kill. So I'm just saying the for the amount of screen time and effort, wasn't my favorite. I think also, I don't know who the guy, the deep, the Chase Crawford guy is, but I know he's also famous for being on some kind of show like that. So these are all, a lot of these are inversions, I'm guessing. I mean, you also have the woman from Walking Dead. She's plays Crimson Countess, and she's like doing sex calls or what do you call it? Like private rooms or whatever, like sex chats. <laughs> um, so everyone's doing their own, I don't know if it's a version, but at least like, if you took the CW and made it hard R, that's kind of what the show be is anyway. So it makes sense to include these people. That was my, my one of my weak links. I think also the H train stuff. I just also don't think I don't love him at his performance in general. I think that the storyline was interesting. I just don't love when he's on screen. I'm much more connected if we're talking about these smaller stories. That one's a more, it's trying to, do a stand-in for a large, large message versus a lot of them being more a personal message, right? Like the MM character and his daughter, and then the you know kind of Trump-loving stepfather potentially with Homelander lover, you know the Homelander lover. So it's like that was more effective to me in what was going on than the effort they tried to give A Train, where he's not, he's also not fastly, so he's doesn't have any powers that Africa suit or whatever. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to, like the point of it was that he was trying hard on all things, but he also flips the dime on supersonic too. Maybe he's not redeemable. You know, it's back and forth. All these characters are trying to be redeemed, but then also are fucking scumbags. So, <laughs> exactly. yeah. so it's like, it's a yo-yo. Like Starlight is is trying to, and maybe, he no, not Huey. Starlight is as close as possible that mm-hmm. she tries to do it and that she's been, there and using for platform for proper usage or change or for effect and makes she's the one here that actually makes a decision to kind of just step out and just say I'm not taking it anymore everyone else is doing something covert or being a two-face about it
1: and even Huey yeah it was like kind of that for the first season or, or two or, or tried to be right this season really like kind of goes down a, a rabbit hole I almost wish that they didn't have the like reconciling at the end and it was Mm. kind of of like too big of a divide between him and Starlight to get past or something like that you know like he really was not interested in her at all like her feelings at all and she kind of just was like "Eh, okay it was all right you're addicted or whatever so I almost wish they went a little harder on that aspect of like not everything works out all the time if you fuck up like sorry you're gonna deal with the consequences of that at some point
0: I think they want to cover carry some relationship angle throughout the show. And it seems that the Frenchie Kimiko is going to like brother-sister at the end, which just yeah. seemed strange, but also made sense. So, you know, you have this many angles and none of them are romantic. And if they are, you're going to kill them. You know, basically, there's like a random sexual encounter between Butcher and Maeve that pays off in one way, but it, she doesn't die. But she dies as a superhero. She gets her powers taken and she's kind of going to disappear. But she gets back with her act. A- <laughs> Yeah, I'm leaving her sub story uh, off there because I think she seems like she wanted to be off the show. That's what—that's the type of role that the way she was filmed, like in one room and having these like one scene per. Was like, I can can I get out of this show? Like, I don't really want to be on the show anymore. Out of everybody else, who's probably kind of trying to get through the door. So I kind of thought her role, I wish it was also better. So I think the Huey and Starlight relationship, I agree with you, didn't end well. The Soldier Boy, like I, I said, I wasn't a big fan of. The Temp V, I, I love that. That was, like, I think, a great usage, I do think. that, And then they, when he gets kind of Huey into it too, so they all can feel powerful, I think that is a, the most understandable thing that they all do in all of this, where it's like, mm-hmm. I want to survive, but I also, I also want to be able to do this myself, and I don't want to die. It is actually <laughs> a survival toy, so that all makes sense. So we we talked about plot here a lot. Any standouts or scenes or, you know, things you want to point out? Let's do like the the creativity slash execution here slash direction all in one because I think it kind of ties together here. So what do you like here about the boys that you maybe don't like about? You know, I feel like when we talk about Marvel stuff, you're never into it. I also of late have not been into it. What do they do better here that they don't do in those shows or movies that, you know, kind of sticks with you in the execution?
1: Well, they do things here that you can't do in Marvel movies. Like, that's just the... Uh, start of it but like i would say no specific scene but something they do really well they really nail how unhinged and like menacing homelander is throughout this season even more so than the first couple of seasons which they were already doing a pretty good job at that it's really like you can see him kind of losing his mind and just going down this rabbit hole of like all right well if they don't love me i have to kill them all like type of thing or you know like that kind of is what really struck me in this whole thing and and just like the brutality of his murders that he commits and and just the lack of kind of conscience and the way that they show that is like really affecting in this season I think.
0: Does he do any saving in the entire I know at some point he does
1: some stage ones this whole season I don't think he does anything he, I think like he goads right yeah what the Paul Reiser character that right says it about soldier boy towards the end of the season he's like no he was never he never did any of that shit like he there's photos of him at d-day he was there like two weeks after they actually took d-day like this guy could have like really changed the war but all he was there for was like the photo op pretty much and um i think that they were like when they did that scene i think they were trying to like really we're talking about homelander you know like that type of thing like they're trying to like put a pin on like what you should be realizing about Homelander the whole time, he doesn't actually save anybody. He doesn't actually do any, like, heroing. He just thinks that he deserves to be in the spotlight because he's more powerful than yeah, you're Powerful, But all he uses that for is to intimidate people and to fucking kill people that aren't intimidated, you know?
0: And when you get that reveal, and you get, end up at, like, father, like, son, and he doesn't even get to be the one to overtake him, yeah. which I thought... The best decisions they made story-wise were where the fights and who ended up fighting each other. You know, this show is a show of inversions, like we said. And I think the decision that she he ends up basically, Homelander's like final battle is with Maeve instead of with his, quote, dad, who is also a scumbag that he was scared of the whole time. You could see like the first time you see like fear, fear. He's being revealed. He's also being a shitbag. And it's interesting because if Homelander was the recurring bad guy on a Marvel movie, he'd be by far the best bad guy they've ever had on any show. That's, that is actually the funny thing, is they're afraid to have a continuing real bad guy.
1: I guess Thanos... I mean, but he, but he was only really in two films, you know? Like, he was a post-credit guy for most of the, you know, original. But yeah, uh, I would say that is a good point. Like, so Homelander ends up fighting Mave, and... Huey Butcher. and Butcher. Butcher and Butcher Hughes end up fighting Soldier Boy, and like they
0: were the two. I'm not that Huey. I'm sorry, not Huey, Starlight. Starlight's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Huey doesn't take the V the whole time. You think they give you that trick where you think he's going to do something. Every time you see it, you're like, he's going to jump in and like take over and yeah, get right. uh, he, he Soldier Boy and like pop out of there. Right. He yeah. turns
1: the lights to, to boost Starlight's power. So like he ends up like boosting her, Using helping blitz. her. Like he said, he ends up saving her. Like he's been saying the whole season, I want to save you. I want to save you. But he ends up saving her as himself, not as like this drugged up (laughs) addict, Huey version of himself. But also like the, the whole thing with Butcher fighting soldier boy, he's like great because Butcher has been trying to use him the entire season to fight Homelander. Right. And like, When he finally gets this fight, he has to stop it to step in on behalf of Ryan, who then betrays him. It's it's all very Shakespearean. It's very like father and daughter and the person spurned and the coming back
0: and it all coming back to haunt you. And everyone's haunting everybody and no one at the end is happy. Um, And that Homelander walks away with the child, too, which is kind of crazy, too. I mean... I'm hopeful that he grows up a little bit. You know, I'm not a big fan, usually, of the children actor. I'm happy that they just kind of showed him in passing, beginning and end in once or twice as very minimal. But it's the same story again, right? Except this time, Homelander has a chance to raise his son versus Soldier Boy didn't know. But he keeps talking about how he wish he did have one. So will he do anything better about it? I, <laughs> I highly doubt it. But I, I'm curious to see what the set. I don't even know how many people are left in the seven at this point. So is it like three people left? I mean, Noir is dead. We didn't even talk about Noir as a as a subplot. Noir and and, and and his and his Horror's pizza gone. shack. Noir's gone. Starlight quit. A train can't do anything. And well, they've just got a new horse. So. at the end of this, mm, but his heart's still dirty. Anyway. Blue Hawks heart.
1: Yeah, Blue heart, so supposedly he's going to be, like, good as new after, uh, you know, rehab. And what's he going to do? Is he going to fight somebody? Because they don't seem to fight anyone. He's going to run around somewhere? With his full speed, he's pretty OP, but, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. It's like The Flash, like, the most overpowered hero in existence, if you want to, like, take it to its full... Oh, he can fucking time travel because he can run so fast? Okay, good. <laughs> But yeah, I do like kind of where those where those fights ended up. I like the way that they ended. And I like kind of where everybody was at the end of the season. I was wondering if they were going to kill Homelander this season or not, but I feel like you can't do that. He's just like the forever bad guy, right?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. He's perpetual. They did they try to bring in us close to the brink, right? You find the the McGuffin, the uh the McGuffin is a person that is the weapon that can kill and then has already taken out so many other superheroes but you know is it going to take out Homelander is his father going to take him out I think that once you saw that you're like this definitely not going to happen but I think they have to take it to the brink to make it worthwhile going back to the fights a little bit I think the actual fight sequences here are good too I don't want to talk about but like they're actually well done and the one between Butcher and Homelander in the I think it's two or three. It's like three episodes before the end. It's excellent. And You think you're going to get a repeat of that. And that's kind of the cool inversion. We already saw it. I'm happy you didn't see it again. And that was actually well done. And he, he has almost the same level of powers. And then he's doing it with Huey and they're doing the disappearance and they've got this and they're mixing it up. And it's in like in the top level superhero fights where you have like a two on one because the guy's so powerful. Although I do think it seems to be the cure for beating all these superheroes is holding their arms down that doesn't seem to be the cure <laughs> that it, it should be every time they must have held every superheroes before they, they try to knock out soldier boys like let's get his arms or hold mm-hmm. on let's get his arms or little, little crimson her hands are actually her weapon but it's like let's get her hands and i think it was that they did that to starlight at some point in the past so maybe they should uh you know put like a spell or protection around their hands so they can't get grabbed also they're pretty powerful i don't know why just pushing them behind their backs would make them not be able to move them.
1: But I was i was going to say, I, I was a little bit confused by the fact that, like, Butcher, with a little temp V, was, like, basically as strong as Homelander, who is, ostensibly the strongest superhero has ever existed in the history of the right, world. Yeah. Like, oh, is that all it took, like, Butcher to take some temp V, and now he can, like, basically take this fucking guy on? He seemed a little bit overpowered for... Never having had superpowers before, immediately being able to take on the greatest super, like the greatest soup of all time, you know, like I agree. <laughs> but
0: whatever, why does everyone's eyes glow? It seems, or do something with their eyes that's a whole nother thing. But do you think, I mean, that this is a maybe I don't, I didn't read the comic, but I this explain, but is V your question would be answered maybe, but that V is like your rage. Equals your powers. Like the amount of rage and frustration you have equals the amount of superhero power that you can really and you obviously, you know, le- but the level of power you're at. And that butcher isn't so angry Literally. and so frustrated <laughs> and so enraged and, and in the presence of Homelander makes him even more powerful. Cause it's not like he's even there's a power source. Like Starlight, she's getting her source power from the light, right? Uh-huh. It doesn't seem many of them. Some other people have source powers, it seems, but that was what I kind of intuited when I watched that, where it's like, because of how angry and frustrated he is, is because that's how strong he is in comparison, especially when he's up against the dream scenario where he wants to put this down, and superheroes in general. He has so much animosity that it fuels him, and that's part of the fuel of what V does, too.
1: I mean, that might be, I would say that, if anything, that's, like, kind of the subtext of what was going on in those fights. I don't know of, like, That would bear out, like a a, in a scientific uh, look into the way that they treat V in the in the show or anything. Homelander was born a superhero, right, from a test tube or whatever. Theoretically, at least from what we know, he was like basically the most powerful superhero before he had any animosity or like you know whatever. But I think that's kind of what they were going for with the all right, butcher has all this anger towards Supes in general and especially towards Homelander and it's all going to get let out because he can finally like he's not impotent against like these superheroes anymore he could finally like try to beat the shit out of them you know like all of that is going to come bubbling up when he takes this you know temp v so I think that's kind of what what it was yeah, I think so, too,
0: because if you think about it, Huey, he has a power, but I don't think he's as, like, powerful. He has, like, kind of a magic trick, like, of helping people hide, which almost fits with his personality of trying to, like, mm-hmm. want to hide or protect. So, I don't know, that's seemingly how you would get assigned a, a sign power. I don't know, I'm just trying to be of some logic to it in my mind. I'm sure that's not pure, but it makes sense. And I guess I just have a few other notes, and then, I mean, we could talk about anything else I have here, List like, the, I don't think there's anything crazy on music here, although there's a couple of good... Needle drops, there's a dance sequence. Out of nowhere, there's a maniac, she's a maniac, murder sequence by <laughs> Kimiko. There's a couple of those. We didn't mention the Russia trip and the whole Russian side plot here and the the murder with all the dildos in the middle of the season. I mean, you, we could go on with
1: the random fight, dildo, murder, who gets to kill who, yeah. I feel like every transgressive superhero show or movie these days has like a weird... How to place dance number in it these days. It's like going back to like Legion, the John Cena show, Peacemaker. I didn't watch Peacemaker. That makes sense. It was actually pretty good. But what was the what was the other show that we watched? The anime that was on Netflix? Uh, super Crime Lords or whatever. It's yes. Super, <laughs> super, super criminals. Super criminals or whatever it was. Yeah. They had that like random dancing, like right in the intro at every one. But I feel like if there's a lot of like interpretive dance being thrown into like superhero stuff lately or like super powered individual stuff lately that's kind of I guess like a trend of like what's here's what you do when there's something like at all surreal in like in your movie or whatever it's
0: also a trend of uh, animated characters explaining the inner thoughts of crazy people they have uh, happy if nothing else but I don't know if there's a short shrift I think noir gets a short shrift the whole time you don't really see him do anything Everyone just seems to be afraid of him but that sequence and the animated characters and the kind of transgressive cursing animated characters egging people on to do bad things and talking them off the wall. And in that, I don't know what you call, we used to call it a big top pizza or pizza circus or something like that, or Chuck E. Cheese. But I don't think Chuck E. Cheese has the like the room where you'd have all the watch them do all the things. Right. I've been to Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> yeah. in a long time. Sorry guys. Don't have any kids or don't really want to go there. But, uh, <laughs> I thought that was an interesting thing. We also you know, on the pure serious side that we hadn't seen a ton of. We get the flashback sequences here a lot between Soldier Boy and Butcher. Butcher's brutal family flashbacks in the latter portion are rough and give you this trying to get explanation of all these things that are built up into Butcher, whether it was Becca for the longest time and now and his father being a shithead and now the brother. It's like, yeah, okay, I understand like this is why you are just a struggle bus,
1: man. But it <laughs> really it really is rough. You mentioned Happy being like having a similar with, with Noir and like seeing the Purdue characters. I don't know if you knew this, but Derek Robertson, the illustrator for The Boys, is also the illustrator for Happy, uh with Barry Morrison. So that kind of tracks, you know, like that. I don't remember if that happens in the comics or if I even got to that point where you see like Black Noir's inner thoughts and commentary are just cartoon characters and then he writes like a child in like one word sentences
0: on like big pieces of paper like with like a fist basically like uh-huh. bad and like underlines it and stuff very interesting no I did not know any of that so that's good fresh info insight so yeah I mean we could go through some other stuff but yeah we did the music a little music and there's definitely some other needle drops I think the overall score I can't think of anything that stands up supremely I think the costumes are all just ripoffs, you know, in variants of regular superhero stuff, Uh, you know, and they love to give Huey 80s, 80s T-shirts of some sort, Uh, different bands uh, and M.M.'s, 90s rap bands. Everyone seems to have kind of a theme of their gear no matter what. So it does seem like they're all (laughs) dressed very well by the costuming team.
1: I think it's kind of funny that they're all like always in costume, like they're in the building, like they're in costume, like nobody is ever wearing like regular, like Hom- Homelander doesn't wear like jeans and a fucking t-shirt when he's around the the building or whatever, you know, like they're all always in costume, always like ready to go at a moment's notice, you know, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> I like that little touch. He's the boss that's always on. He's that dickish boss that you think says he's
0: always working, but he's not actually working. He's just always there and he's just overlording your ass. And like, look, I'm always working. It's like, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working. What are you doing? Uh, You know, nothing. (laughs) That is true, though. I mean, there are moments when you see them, but somehow they just kind of flip back into their costumes. I, I, you know, I don't want to get into how costumes get on. I'm sure that's a great
1: I would say Maeve and, and Annie start to like get away from that towards the end of the season, which is like, you know, showing how they're going away from like being in the seven, right? Like when you're in the seven, you're always in costume. I think.
0: It makes sense. I mean, that's, and that's, unless you take off the costume, then you're not recognized. I mean, any in the, it throughout has been on and off uh, out of it, but yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, set design locations, whatever. I mean, we can repeat all this, but I do, I do know the flat iron building. I thought it was kind of a funny little place for them to have their offices. They actually really do use their sets pretty well. You know, when they're outside, you could tell it's like fake Canada stuff, you know, that's setting in for New York whenever they keep saying something about New York. But I, I thought there were some pretty good hideouts. I love how the the corporate offices of the superhero, although I feel like there was less corporate espionage and involvement this year. You know, what's her name? Uh, Ashley? The Ashleys. So, I mean, that's that. Anything else we want to touch here? I mean, I, I feel like Frenchie always gets short-tripped in these shows. I like him. I love him from Fauda. He's been on some other stuff. He is actually Israeli, I believe, but his character is like a different heart of the show, but also like the quiet heart. And those, this show does live on those small moments, especially between them two or between Butcher and Huey, where he's either trying to fake being too strong or whatever. Or I don't think the Starlight Huey small moments matter as much. I think you're, I'm with you on that one. I think it's all the other characters that have that connection, even the MM and discussion with his daughter at the end, that stuff. It feels earned. It doesn't feel fake. And it shows you that even if someone is the most brutal, awful person or murdering people one moment doesn't mean that they don't deserve or have a life behind it. Right. And that's something I think Marvel forgets sometimes with (laughs) every one of their superheroes, like one or two of them end up having a life. But for the most part, it's just like thrown in. It's not a, a toss in here as much. I mean, they get more time, obviously, but I think that's, you know, important. Any thoughts on that before we just, you know, I think you already talked about the ending, but we could just do a where do we go from here thoughts or final thoughts. Anything else you want to discuss, Steve?
1: Yeah, no, not really. Um, I think that you said it pretty well. There's a lot of character development. There's a lot of like stuff going on there. They're dealing with a ton of themes and like a ton of different ideas that they're uh, throwing at the wall. And I feel like uh, most of them do pretty good, good job sticking. So yeah, where do we go from here?
0: Yeah. Well, where do we go from here? So like you said, at the end, we've got Homelander and Ryan kind of teaming up. We've got Maeve leaving with her partner. I think she's done. I think we've got Starlight breaking out on our own as being, you know, I don't know if it's a new group. She's her own superhero. Is she going to actually going to try to help people on her own? And then we have the enhanced political angle. I thought that was leaning up to Homelander going for VP, not her. I thought that was going to be that Homelander sent him to kill her. That was and that we were gonna have Homelander was like one step away from the presidency and running what at the same time that was almost too obvious <laughs> but uh I think that's not off the table probably either so that's going somewhere I think the butcher angle you know we saying now we have the ticking clock on him mm-hmm. does that mean that maybe he actually takes the real V to survive I don't know if that's that's gonna I feel like that's where they're they're headed there because that will basically I would feel like that's what would cure him right is you're sick well if you take the V then You won't be sick, basically, and permanently become a superhero. Everything, but he'd rather kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you hated. Exactly. So he needs that to save him. That is going to be an interesting thing. I think the Edgar's daughter is an interesting character, and I thought she had some good scenes. I think she's a good actor. So I'm curious to see where that goes. And I'm just imagining the writer's room trying to come up with a a new hero gasm and see uh, if they can get a longer penis in there or the world's biggest vagina and they could just walk right into a room and think it's nothing and it happens to be an enormous vagina or, you know, I don't know, but I just get, you know, I was thinking about it. Like, I can imagine someone in the room and maybe it was in the, in the, in the comic already, but like that Ant-Man goes into the butt and goes in through all the body part and goes in through everything and then just like sneezes and and explodes them. It's always about exploding people. Like you know, she's exploding people's heads. And there's explosion. There's a you don't even know who jizzes all over mm after that, right? You know. it all starts there.
1: Well, it all starts. The whole show starts with Huey's uh, girlfriend getting blown to bits by a trade You know, it's the gross, super violent shit for the boys, and and it's kind of their delivery mechanism for for their satire. So I think the Amazon team, the TV team is is really hitting their stride right now, even more so than... This is Seth
0: Rogen, right? We didn't talk about that, but I think he's the producer too, right? Like, I think he's the same producer like he is on uh, Preacher, they were. His voice is in the animation at the end too, when they did their some kind of animation. I yeah. forgot what it was, but you heard his voice. But I think him and Evan, you know, his partner, are like the producers of this as well. So this was like the successful... Even though they did a lot of Preacher... I think this is much more successful than Preacher ever was and Preacher wishes they could do this, but they couldn't do all this on AMC
1: anyway. I feel like he just has like a bunch of shows like this that he's like really swaying for the fences and I didn't realize it was it was this was another one of his. But I feel like he, for the most part, does a fairly decent job on these, or like getting these shows off the ground or okay. doing like, like Future Man. I thought was hilarious on Hulu. I just think he's doing things he's
0: interested in, and his cachet can get it off the ground. And he's actually for people who like adaptations, he's bringing his cachet to it and his backbone and his team to it that seemingly lets it live and doesn't try to. Quash it, and especially here, right? They were like, Preacher, it had to be done. It had to be cleaned up a bit. But this one, it's like, do whatever you want. You know, there, there were some warnings on the later episodes that I was surprised, but I also wasn't surprised that even even the boys had to give, like, warnings about suicidal thoughts. And, yeah. you yeah. know, we didn't talk about bestiality, but fucking octopi, one octopus it's like, who else is going to fuck an animal on this one? Uh, so, you know, let's still we'll find out about that. That's that's the, the big question for next year is who's the next character to fuck an animal? So, right um, Stevo, you know, we'll find out. Uh, which one of the Avengers have they not replicated yet? You know, I'm sure we can go through the list. So I'm sure that's where we'll leave, but they're going to have to rebuild the 7-2, or maybe not, or, uh, you know, we shall see. So there definitely was a lot, there's a lot more strings to pull, but they did close the door. And I think that means that it's time for us to close the door on, what I thought was gonna be a semi short conversation and ended up being a pretty long conversation on yeah. the boys, right, Steve O? Oh yeah. I think we're at like an hour so. <laughs> we're gonna tie it up. I'm right. gonna do the thing. You didn't get you know, we don't have a producer here to do the old wrap it up. You <laughs> know, we we were just released a twenty one minute episode and now we're gonna we're gonna pay for this one. So but I hopefully we gave it a good deep dive. I think eight hours of TV is worth an hour of discussion, just like a movie is worth two hour movies worth forty minutes. So I think we actually if you do that math we did a great job, Steve-O. I always think so. Oh, okay. Well, Steve-O thinks we did a great job, but he's the eternal uh, positive one and I'm the snark. Oh, there's some beautiful fireflies out here right now. It's my favorite time of night. All right. So we're going to take a quick break after the fireflies and we will be back to talk about the next episode of Bubbling Up. All right. And we're back. So we did say this is kind of an impromptu. I don't think there's any official uh, episode will be coming out till probably after into September or Labor Day, unless there's some kind of emergency comic desire need that we really feel the need of. We've got a couple of books on the list. So I think I mentioned the last issue, but I think we're going to do probably Radiant Black. We're going to do the Nightwing, uh, the new Nightwing. By Tom Taylor, right, steve uh, You yeah. know, talks about a couple more, but those are the next two. So, if you're listening to this and got some summer reading, maybe steve will will dig into his old stack so we can give you a fall reading list. I feel like I wanted to do that to do a summer reading list for some people or watch list, but we'll we'll give you some recommendations. I, I like to do the recommendation episodes because I inhale content, so that is that is my own disease. I think uh, that's pretty much the schedule. So it was a pleasure getting a little surprise last minute effort in with Stevo, and uh, hopefully enjoy the rest of your summer.
1: Cheers guys. All right. Later. Yeah. It's the same music as at the beginning. Our buddy Chris Morgan did it. The intro is so nice. We used it twice. What you want show credits over here. All right. Fine. Bringing the heat in the MCC was Joe Soria along with me his trusty sidekick Steve Ramosi. We also want to give a big thank you to Leland Holden of Podpunch Editing for making sure we don't sound as dumb as we sound. Uh, Leland, can you edit this so it doesn't sound so dumb, please? Don't forget to follow us and like all our stuff on the socials for Ultimate Glory. And we'll be bubbling back up next week with more brilliance. Later.